the Second World War, a podcast by Stephen Bedard. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash hopesreason. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. If we were to look at the most terrible men of the 20th century, Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin could easily share the top spot. An article by Timothy Snyder appeared in 2011 in the New York Times comparing Hitler and Stalin. Setting aside military casualties, it is suggested that the Germans deliberately killed 11 million non-combatants, with the Soviets killing 6 million during the Stalin period. This, of course, is not meant to be a competition, so there can be no winner. We can only conclude that both men were monsters who caused suffering almost beyond imagination. While having much in common when it comes to large-scale murder, they could not be any different politically. Hitler and National Socialists were on the far right, and Stalin and the Communists were on the far left. The Communists were one of Hitler's targets, along with the Jews, during his rise to power. He saw both as being largely responsible for Germany's problems. Hitler's brown shirts openly attacked communists in Germany, and he made no secret of his hatred of communism. And yet the Second World War began with Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union in cooperation. How did this happen? Initially, it looked like the Soviets would take an anti-German stance. Soviet foreign commissar Maxim Litnov desired to contain Hitler through international cooperation. He suggested an alliance between France, Great Britain, Poland, Soviet Union, Romania, and Turkey to prevent future German aggression. British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain rejected this as premature. Just imagine for a moment if this plan had been acted on. Would Hitler have attacked in the face of such an alliance? How many lives would have been saved? We will never know. Litnov continued to push for an anti-German coalition, but was continually rejected. Litnov was replaced by Molotov, seemingly as a sign of Stalin's shift in policy, although this was not immediately obvious. Stalin was interested in an alliance with France and Britain, but as full partners. However, Britain was far more interested in allying itself with Poland directly rather than with the Soviets. Molotov proposed a military mission from France and Britain to come to Moscow to discuss how to keep peace in Europe. While this meeting took place, the Soviets interpreted the French and British discussions as revealing a complete lack of interest. This conclusion did not escape the Germans. The improvement in relations between Germany and the Soviet Union would revolve around events in Poland. It was clear that Hitler had his eyes on Poland. The question was, what role would the Soviets play? Would the Soviets side with Poland, Britain, and France? There certainly was some openness to this, but there were some strong anti-Russian feelings in Poland. The Polish commander-in-chief made this statement, With the Germans, we would risk losing our liberty. With the Russians, we would lose our soul. Let those words sink in. Obviously, he could not have anticipated the Nazi atrocities that would take place in Poland not long after the statement. But could any unwiser words be spoken? The Soviets were not innocent, and yet Poland was in a precarious position. 
and it would take the British and French much longer to come to their aid than the Soviets. Stalin later recounted to Churchill that he lacked confidence that the British and French would come to the aid of Poland, and if they did, the resources they would send would be only a small percentage of what it would cost the Soviets. Everything was pushing Stalin into the arms of Hitler. There have been claims that Hitler bullied Stalin into a non-aggression pact, but the evidence is lacking. Adolf Hitler sent a telegram to Joseph Stalin on August 20th, 1939. In it, he described the rising tensions with Poland and the inevitability of war. There is no threat that the Soviet Union would be next. Hitler would have been foolish to even hint at such a thing. Instead, this is what Hitler wrote to Stalin. In my opinion, it is desirable, in the view of the intention of the two states, to enter into a new relationship, not to lose any time. For this reason, I would like you to talk to my foreign minister again on Tuesday, August 22nd, or at the latest, 23rd. The Reich foreign minister will have full and extraordinary powers to reach agreement on a non-aggression pact. Not only is there no evidence of Hitler bullying, and normally there is plenty of evidence when Hitler does bully, there is every reason to believe that this was something that the Soviets actually wanted. Months before this, Molotov had told the German ambassador in Moscow that economic agreements between the two nations were impossible until a political arrangement, in other words, a non-aggression pact, could be made. On August 23, 1939, this pact, known alternatively as Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, German-Soviet Non-Aggression Pact, and by Time Magazine, the Kamun-Nazi Pact, The irony of this latter strange combination of words foreshadows how things would end. Here is the content of the pact. The government of the German Reich and the government of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, desirous of strengthening the cause of peace between Germany and the USSR, and proceeding from the fundamental provisions of the Treaty of Neutrality, which was concluded between Germany and the USSR in April 1926, have reached the following agreement. Article 1. The two contracting parties undertake to refrain from any act of violence, any aggressive action, or any attack on each other, either individually or jointly with other powers. Article 2. Should one of the contracting parties become the object of belligerent action by a third power, the other contracting party shall in no manner lend its support to this third power. Article 3. The governments of the two contracting parties will in future maintain continual contact with one another for the purpose of consultation in order to exchange information on problems affecting their common interests. Article 4. Neither of the two contracting parties will join any grouping of powers whatsoever that is directly or indirectly aimed at the other party. Article 5. Should disputes or conflicts arise between the contracting parties over problems of one kind or another, both parties will settle these disputes or conflicts exclusively by means of a friendly exchange of views or, if necessary, by the appointment of arbitration commissions. Article 6. The present treaty shall be concluded for a period of 10 years with the proviso that insofar as one of the contracting parties does not denounce it one year prior to the expiration of this period, the validity of this treaty shall be deemed automatically extended for another five years. Article 7. 
The present treaty shall be ratified within the shortest possible time. The ratifications will be exchanged in Berlin. The treaty shall enter into force immediately upon signature. However, there was an additional secret protocol which said this. On the occasion of the signature of the non-aggression treaty between the German Reich and the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, the undersigned of the two parties discussed in the strictly confidential conversations the question of the delimitation of their respective spheres of interest in Eastern Europe. These conversations led to the following result. 1. In the event of a territorial and political transformation in the territories belonging to the Baltic states, being Finland, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, the northern frontier of Lithuania shall represent the frontier of the spheres of interest of Germany and the USSR. In this connection, the interest of Lithuania in the Vilna territory is recognized by both parties. 2. In the event of a territorial and political transformation of the territories belonging to the Polish state, the spheres of interest of Germany and the USSR shall be bounded approximately by the line of the rivers Narrow, Vistula, and San. The question of whether the interests of both parties make the maintenance of an independent Polish state desirable and how the frontiers of the state should be drawn can only be definitely determined in the course of further political developments. In any case, both governments will resolve this question by means of a friendly understanding. 3. With regard to southeastern Europe, the Soviet side emphasizes its interests in Bessarabia. The German side declares its complete political disinterestment of these territories. 4. The protocol will be treated by both parties as strictly secret. This was not just abstract political maneuvering. These decisions would have concrete impact not just on Poland, but on other nations as well. Nazism and Communism, two extreme opposites on the political spectrum. Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin, two monsters united and being responsible for millions of deaths. An unlikely cooperation in many ways, and something that had no hope of remaining long term. But that's the tale for another episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Second World War Podcast. For you, the listeners of the Second World War Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. My recommended audiobook is The Devil's Alliance, Hitler's Pact with Stalin, 1939-1941, by Roger Morehouse. History remembers the Soviets and the Nazis as bitter enemies and ideological rivals, the two opposing totalitarian regimes of World War II, whose conflict would be the defining and deciding clash of the war. Yet for nearly a third of the conflict's entire lifespan, Hitler and Stalin stood side by side as partners. The pact they agreed on had a profound and bloody impact on Europe, and is fundamental to understanding the development and denouement of the war. The Devil's Alliance explores the causes and implications of the Nazi-Soviet Pact, the creation and dissolution of which were crucial turning points in World War II. Forged by Ribbentrop and his Soviet counterpart Molotov, the Non-Aggression Treaty briefly united the two powers in a brutally efficient collaboration. The Germans and Soviets quickly conquered and divided Central and Eastern Europe. Hundreds of thousands of people caught between Hitler and Stalin were expropriated and deported or killed. 
Fortunately for the Allies, the partnership ultimately soured. Ironically, however, the power's exchange of material, blueprints, and technological expertise during the period of the pact made possible for a far more bloody and protracted war than it would have been otherwise been conceivable. Combining comprehensive research with a gripping narrative, the Devil's Alliance is the authoritative history of the Nazi-Soviet pact. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash hopesreason. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash hopesreason for your free audiobook. To find both blog posts and other episodes of the podcast, please visit me at stephenjbedard.com slash secondworldwar. And please consider supporting me at patreon.com slash hopesreason. Thank you, and God bless.